Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to OCC. My name is Josh. It's good to see everyone here. We are a few weeks into a series of messages called uh, Box Office Wisdom, and we are trying to uh, look at some of the themes that are found in some of the Christmas classic movies that, that we're pretty familiar with and we watch a lot during this season. I'm sure you have some Christmas traditions, uh, whether it's going to see lights or decorating your house or tree. Uh, another one of those traditions is to watch holiday movies. And so what we've tried to do is identify some themes and show how oftentimes they run parallel, biblical themes run parallel to some of these movies that we see. And today's movie that we're going to give some snippets of is the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And this is the number one movie on the Rotten Tomatoes list of best Christmas movies. And so by show of hands, who, who has seen It's a Wonderful Life before? Okay. So it's, it is the top movie. I don't think it's necessarily, uh, I don't know how they rate a Rotten Tomato movie, but it apparently... It has won everything. So I think it's the core message. It's, it's, it's why it's such a popular movie this time. Uh, the movie is dramatic. It's, it's joyful, but it's very re- redemptive. And that's something that really struck me. I've seen bits and pieces of It's a Wonderful Life before. Uh, this year I really took the time to, to go through it and to think through some, uh, some, of, some of this movie and the themes that are, are found in it. You get a handful of, of issues that we could look at and really uh, highlight. The movie follows the life of a man named George Bailey. And George is, uh, you get to trace his life from his younger years up through his middle uh, life years. And it tells a pretty gripping story, uh, this, this film does. George is a man that, like many of us, he has big dreams. There's some things he wants to experience, some things he really wants to accomplish with his life. He's got his eyes focused on some, some goals and he's not bashful in telling other people about what he's going to make his life about. And he's always kind of telling stories about his future and what he hopes to experience. Uh, he's from this really small town. It's called Bedford Falls. I think the setting is New York. And he can't wait to leave this small town life. He can't wait to get out of Bedford Falls and see the world. He's got these uh, plans for his life. Now, his father is a man who runs the Bailey Building and Loan. It's called Bailey Building and Loan. And his father and his uncle runs this business. And this is a company which lends money uh, to help common families uh, to be able to afford to buy a home. And George's father's business, it really serves people in Bedford Falls. It does that really well. Uh, George's father is not in it for the money. A lot of us uh, wrestle through... Uh, getting fixated on finances and how, how to put together more and more and more. And, and a lot of that is the motive for many uh, people in the world. George's father, his motive for working at a, in the building and loan is not to, to, to be a rich man, really. Uh, he's in it to help people. And you see this kind of being fleshed out in this film. George's father is genuinely a kind and sacrificial man. And what happens over time is that that... That the character that George's father possesses rubs off on his son George, George Bailey, and so George, who's who's really the the man here with his wife and kids, 
he, he's, he begins acting like his dad. He begins to help people over and over. And even early on in the film, you see this scene where at age 12, George's younger brother falls into some thin ice and is going to drown if George hadn't jumped in and saved him. Now, it's, it's cold and chilly, and there's some, uh, it does some damage to George's ears, and so he loses his hearing in one ear because he jumped into the freezing cold water to save his brother. Uh, but even in that scene, you, you really begin to see George's willingness to do what is kind and sacrificial to help others. Uh, now, the movie is set from around 1910 to about 1945, and it mainly follows just George's life. And uh, here's a scene uh, from early on, sort of gives you a feel for George's uh, hopes for his future. you got to listen pretty carefully because the language, it's, it's, it's different. And it's just, it's a little, it's sort of a little jumbled in the scene. And so, but what, you, what you'll hear is George has a pretty cocky attitude about what he's going to do with his life. And so he's having a conversation with his father about what he's going to do with his life. And his dad begins to ask questions to sort of challenge George on some of these things. So take a look. You know, George, I wish we could send Harry to college with you. Your mother and I talked it over half the night. Mm. We have that all figured out. See, Harry will take my job in the building alone, work there for four years, and then he'll go. Pretty young for that job. Well, no younger than I was. Well, you were born older, George. How's that? I say you were born older. I suppose you've decided what you want to do when you get out of college. Oh, well, you know what I've always talked about. Build things, design new buildings, plan modern cities. All that stuff I've been talking about. Still after that first million before you're 30, huh? No, I'll sell half that in cash. <laughs> Because it's just a hope, but uh, you wouldn't consider coming back to the building alone, would you? Well, I... I... Well, Annie, why, why don't you draw up a chair? Then you'd be more comfortable and you could hear everything that's going on. I would if I thought I'd hear anything worth listening to. You would. I know it's soon to talk about it. No, not Pop. I, I couldn't. I... Uh... I couldn't face being cooped up for the rest of my life in a shabby little office. The... No, I'm, I'm sorry, Pop. I didn't mean that. I... But I... It, it's this business of nickels and dimes and spending all your life trying to figure out how to save three cents and a length of pipe. I go crazy. I, I want to do something big and something important. So you can sort of get a sense of what George is, is focused on. He's got dreams. He wants to build some things. He's, he's not going to be cooped up in a little old office. Well, that's what his dad does with his life. He's working. His father, again, he works for this building and loan company. He keeps his doors open so that other people who, uh, who need loans uh, are able to get financing. And George's dad is about to explain how his company is actually making a difference. George wants to make a difference in the world through his building empire. His dad's saying, look... I'm making a difference. He's about to go into uh, the reasoning behind why he does what he does. And George knows it. George knows that his father's company is actually making a difference. Uh, but still, George is wrestling. And, and now here's another conversation. George is uh, having with the lady. Uh, her name is Mary. He ends up marrying this, this gal, Mary. And he begins to share his dreams with Mary. Now, Mary has been interested in George for a long time. Uh, they were kids together, and so George was working at the drugstore. And there's one point where after George rescues uh, his, his brother Harry, I mentioned his hearing. He had hearing loss, permanent hearing loss. And George is working at the drugstore, and Mary's 
kind of sitting there admiring George as he's doing his work. They're both little kids, and you're not going to see the scene, so I'm just describing it to you. Uh, they're both little kids, and, and George maybe is about 13 or something, and, and Mary's probably 10 or so. And she's just looking at George, big smile on her face, and, and, and George, there's something that falls off the counter, and George reaches down to, to grab it, and while he's, while he's down, he turns his ear up, that is his ear that he can't hear out of, and she whispers into his ear, you know, like, something like, George Bailey, I'm gonna love you till the day I die, or something, but he can't hear it at all, cause it's in his bad ear. So this is the same gal, her name is Mary, now George, uh, is fond of Mary, and he, she, uh, has caught his eye, but he's wrestling. He's wrestling with what he's going to do with his life. And so he's, she's just about graduated. I think she just graduated high school, and he's, you know, kind of college, college age. So let's, let's watch this scene. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and a year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know, and then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. <laughs> I'm going to go live my dream. Then I'll go back to college and see what they know. And then, <laughs> you know, he's dreaming. He's charting his course for his life. It, it, it's like this verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 16, verse, 20, verse 9. In his heart, a man plans his course. And this is what we do. We, we have a plan. We dream about things. We, we, we communicate about those things. But the Lord determines our steps. And in this movie, George, his plans for his amazing future are, are derailed over and over and over again. And this frustrates George a great deal. This is where I think we connect a lot with George Bailey. We, we start fixating on things that we'd like to do and experience and see and and. And live for, and then our plans get derailed by circumstances that don't go the way we had intended. And we've got to decide, what are we going to do with that? Now, there's a huge turn of events uh, uh, that springs up, and uh, George decides to stay in Bedford Falls in order to run uh, Bailey Building and Loan. And year after year, he keeps choosing to say no to his dreams. And he can still kind of imagine what he wants to do, but he keeps choosing to do what's needed right there in Bedford Falls for the good of that community. Now, the Bible's perspective is this, is that God will fulfill his purpose for your life one way or another. God is, he is determining the steps of your life. And it goes much better if you and I commit to work with God as he's, uh, laying out those steps and not resist him. There's all kinds of twists and there's turns in, in life. Now, the core message of this movie and a key theme that we find in the Bible is that the very best life flows out of sowing seeds of kindness as you have the opportunity. Uh, to actually do that, you have to set aside your own agenda and be a help to other people. You can't live uh, for your dreams and, and put others ahead. At the same time, it's just a constant conflict. We're constantly wrestling through this. My dreams are helping other people, serving other people, showing kindness to others. And here's the here's the heart of that perspective. It's it's that God gives life to people who give theirs away. God gives real life. God gives full, abundant life to those who give their lives 
away. Look at what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16. Jesus said to his followers, If anyone would come after me, then he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Essentially what he's, he's inviting his followers to live a life of sacrifice. Jesus laid down his life. He served people. Ultimate act of service was his death on the cross for humanity. An opportunity for, for fallen and broken people to have their sin removed, to have a relationship with God the Father restored. That came through a life of sacrifice. And Jesus is saying, if anyone wants to do life my way and follow me as Lord, he needs to take up his cross, deny himself, follow after me. For whoever wants to save his life, the next verse, will lose it. You want to hang on to those dreams? You're, it's, you're, you're going to lose it. It's going to slip past you. You're never going to... But whoever loses his life for me, Jesus says, will find it. There's something to be found through sacrifice alone. What's interesting is that George Bailey's father really understood this. And after George's father died, which is the reason why George ends up staying in Bedford Falls and, and working for the uh, the building and loan company that his dad founded. Uh, he sees often this picture of his father, and it reminds George of his dad's priorities. And there's a sign under his, his father's uh, picture that reads, all you can take with you is that which you've given away. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's, doesn't that echo what Jesus is saying in Matthew 16? Now, you and I, we can learn this lesson the hard way by resisting this and trying to self-protect and trying to prioritize our goals and our dreams. But what happens is that we become frustrated, we become angry, we become resentful, or we can choose to take Jesus at his word and deny ourselves intentionally and serve people. As God brings one opportunity after another, we serve people and we trust God to, to put life together in a way that's good. Now, Jesus is saying, if you lose your life this way, through sacrifice, you find he's not. He, what Jesus is describing is uh, what he lived out. Now, here's that major challenge for us, is that living out what Jesus laid out here is not by accident. You don't just stumble into a life of sacrificial service and kindness. You choose that. You intentionally decide to prioritize your life, your family life, around that and that's a real real challenge in our culture now real life as jesus defines it requires a focus it requires a series of everyday choices and that's what's so helpful about the movie it's a wonderful life as you get to see that on screen played out george bailey he's just wrestling constantly with chasing after these big dreams right here he's he's describing the size of the suitcase that he's going to need to travel the world i think He's like, I need one this big because I got big dreams. But then George kind of sets the dreams aside and he keeps denying himself and he keeps making choices for the good of others. And it's a great example of what Jesus is describing. Now, Paul, Paul was a man in the, in the, in the Bible that committed his life to Christ. Uh, it was a very dramatic conversion experience. Uh, he ends up becoming a key leader in the New Testament church in the first century. He was a great uh, leader, a church pioneer. He wrote letters to many of the New Testament churches, many of them which he founded as he was on journeys to, to share the message of Jesus. 
Uh, one of those letters is to the church, and here's a, here's a passage, it's Galatians 6. It highlights this. Paul's highlighting that Christ followers always are to look for opportunities to do good. This is to be a major part of our life. If you follow Christ, we want to be on the lookout for opportunities to show kindness. Uh, this is a daily challenge. Look at what Paul writes here. This is uh, Galatians 6, 7 through 10. He writes, do not be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. Now, anytime you read in the Bible, don't be deceived, pay close attention. Because it means you can be deceived. And you don't even know it. So we gloss over these things. Okay, got that. No, pay close attention. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. What he's saying here is, you counter. If you plant seeds of selfishness, if you focus on just yourself, um, you'll reap destruction from that. The one who sows to please the Spirit, the Spirit of God from the Spirit, will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, this passage is built around agricultural practices of sowing and reaping. And we plant seeds and we reap from what we planted. You don't plant tomato seeds and then harvest corn. Has anyone ever done that? You, you don't plant wheat, you know, kernels and harvest zucchini and squash. And you're like, wow, look at that. These are magical seeds. No, you, you, you reap and harvest from what you've planted. And this was their world. These were agricultural people who, who were reading these letters. And so sometimes we get, we gloss over those passages that have this agricultural uh, these principles from agriculture, but it's fairly simple to break this down and really understand this. It basically means this, if you were to break the passage down, a focus on selfishness, a life focused on selfishness brings corruption. Galatians 6, look at verses 7 and 8 again. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. This word destruction here in the Greek, it, it, it means decomposition or disintegration. The sense of this word is that everything starts unraveling. It starts, everything starts coming apart and breaking apart in destruction. It's decomposing. But here's the issue. This is why we are easily deceived in this. And we think we can maybe sneak by God on this one. is because we don't see it right away. We don't see the destruction right away from reaping or from sowing to the sinful nature. But if we sow to the flesh or we sow to our selfishness to please ourselves, uh, we don't see the results for a while. Maybe we indulge in some pleasure that's out of bounds. God says, I know it's out of bounds, but I'm just going to dabble in that. We don't see the results right away. Or, or maybe we push ahead with our, our agenda, with what we really want, and we know, we know we ought to help other people. We know there's needs that we could be helping, but right now we still we have our goals, and we're just going to push selfishly our goals ahead of others. 
Or maybe we financially just spend out of our means and we ignore the consequences now. With all of these types of ways that we sow to the sinful nature, we just don't see the impact immediately when we plant those seeds. It would be nice if we had George's experience in in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. He's trying to do right by people over and over and over, but he hits a breaking point. At one point in the film, he's pretty desperate because there's a situation where uh, he, his uncle misplaces a lot of money for the Bailey Building and Loan. And the banking examiner comes to, to look at the books, and they can't find, he doesn't have a deposit slip proving that he has deposited $8,000. And so George is about to be held responsible uh, for this money. And the business would be shut down. He would be in trouble with the law. And it would be nice if we had some sort of experience like this in our own lives. Because what happens is George, as he's, as he's realizing, I'm, I'm, I'm in big trouble here. I need something to happen. I need some intervention here or I'm in a lot of trouble. Here he is trying to do right, but he hits this breaking point. He catches a glimpse of what, it, what life in Bedford Falls would have been like if he hadn't had done his duty and lived his life of service. So you have Christmas Eve rolls around. George is desperate. He's desperate because he knows he's in trouble. This money's been misplaced. And he's considering suicide. So he goes over to uh, this bridge, and he's considering jumping off this bridge. And it's just as the pressure, as it's at the highest point, midlife, he's parenting, everything's difficult. And he's evaluating what he can do, and he sees this option of suicide, which if he had committed suicide, it would have been an extremely selfish act. God, through this, uh, you know, through these events, gives him the ability to see Bedford Falls decomposed without him living in that community. Uh, the story goes that all, all these people are praying for George, including his kids, and these prayers reach heaven, and now here's the Hollywood aspect of it. An angel named Clarence, here's a picture of Clarence, appears. He's sent to earth, and he's sent there to show George the positive impact, all of the good that he's been doing throughout his life, even from childhood. If you take all the good out, George, if you had left town and chased your dreams, then this is what life in Bedford Falls would have looked like. Everything would have unraveled. It would have decomposed. It would have disintegrated. So here's a scene where, where he comes to grips with the difference he'd been making. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You went here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? 
Where's Mary? Oh, well, I, I, I can't... Uh... I don't know how you know these things, but tell me, where is she? I'm if you not... know where she is, tell me where my wife is. I'm not supposed to tell. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? She's an old maid. She never married. Where is Mary? Where is she? she... Where is she? She's just about to close up the library. There must be some easier way for me to get my wings. Again, that's the, there's the Hollywood. So, but this is a pretty powerful scene. It highlights the difference that one person's life can make. You know, your life, that's you and me. I mean, our lives can make a difference. We, but we can't really know the difference right now. That's the challenge, which is probably good if we didn't know the difference our life was making right now. Because if we knew the difference it was making, we'd probably get into pride. We think more highly of ourselves, pat ourselves on the back. I mean, can you imagine if you're like, you know, you're you're at the grocery store and you, you go out to the car, or, you know, you take your groceries out to the car and you see someone who can use some help, and you, you you lift their their groceries and put it in the car for them, and then you think, man, I did the good, I did the right thing today, and you get in your car and you, there's a pile of money, and you're like. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do more good, you know, or, or you, you show up to serve or you, you're generous and all of a sudden you look at your bank account and it's just like bursting at the seams. And I mean, if life were to work that way, all our motives would get twisted up. We'd get into pride. That's not how life works. You don't see the good that you're doing. You don't reap all of those things immediately. So what we do is today and tomorrow we live by faith. We live by faith. We make ourselves available to be used by God however he pleases. Now back to Galatians 6. Rather than living for ourselves primarily, we're told this. We're told that a focus towards God and towards the good of others brings real life. This is where it gets very practical. Galatians 6, 8, the second part of that verse, Paul writes, The one who sows to please the Spirit. From the Spirit will reap eternal life. A Christ follower makes a big difference in the community at large that they live in. Even right here in our town, in this region of the Inland Empire, in Riverside, or Reno Valley, or Paris, or wherever you live, Corona, I mean, or in this neighborhood, or in your family, I mean, you're making a difference through sowing seeds of kindness. It doesn't feel that way always because we don't see the result of it. But if we do good towards others, it preserves our communities. Like salt is a preservative, that's the difference that a Christ follower can make in communities. Our families are different as we continue to do right by one another. God uses us to keep communities from decomposing and disintegrating. Cities, towns, regions. I mean, this is how God is working in the world is... He's sprinkled, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. There's a lot of good in towns that is withheld and are upheld because Christ's followers continue to do right by other people and to prioritize others ahead of their own interests. But we have to live by faith because the results are seldom immediate. But the promise will hold up. If you keep sowing seeds of kindness today, you'll harvest that in the future from those seeds. And it's a harvest that will last uh, forever, Paul writes. Jesus, that, you know, that Jesus said essentially the same thing. It's 
the harvest is even through eternity. The challenge, though, is to play our role really well here and now and do your duty where God has placed you. God is using you to preserve the community he's placed you in. Now, this is similar to a man named Jeremiah. Look at a verse here from Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah was among God's people who were who were living in Jerusalem, but then invaded by foreigners. The Babylonians came, invaded, and deported and exiled God's people into a foreign land. But still, God tells this to Jeremiah. God says, Also seek the peace and the prosperity of of this city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Jeremiah was a righteous man. He brought light to that community. Now he's not even in his community. His whole, all the people of God were taken out of uh, their homeland, but Jeremiah sees his role to be faithful, to carry out the assignment that God had given him, and it made an impact in his day. You and I, we can have an impact in our day, in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces. But while you're playing your role and trying to show kindness towards others, you have to keep trusting God to look after your needs. When the fear sets in, you have to look to God and rely on him. And this is what George Bailey experienced. George was able to reap a huge harvest uh, later on in his life. Right near the end of this movie, we see George pretty much, well, prospering as, as God, uh, you know, kind of brings people in the community to give back to George and his family at his point of need. Right when it looked like George was going to lose everything and be arrested, uh, his wife goes around town and begins to share their need with people in town. And one by one, people show up to George's and Mary's house and begin to just generously give back to the Baileys. So take, take a look. telegram good idea ernie a toast (laughs) to my big brother george the richest man in town If you can't, he's got this gift. It's from the angel Clarence. It says, it's a book. I think it's Tom Sawyer. Uh, But it it says, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Don't stop showing kindness. Your life is making a difference. He's being told. This made a difference. Uh, His brother comes in who, if he hadn't saved his life, he would have never, his brother ends up, you know, getting a Congressional Medal of Honor 
for his valor and, and bravery in war, and he saves all sorts of people. Well, none of that ever would have happened if George hadn't have sacrificed himself. His brother says, I'm, I'm here to celebrate my brother, the richest man in town. He, he's not talking about money. Riches have nothing to do with that. He had the fullness of life. And that's what God wants. He wants you to experience the fullness of life. Real life is far beyond riches. And to experience that kind of harvest, we have to keep going. And we have to keep sowing. And that requires this, that we battle something called discouragement. We have to battle discouragement every day. Seizing each opportunity for kindness Since there's not an immediate reward for living your life for God and to serve others, you get discouraged pretty often. It's like, it's not worth it. I'm pouring my life out and it's just not worth it. God said it would be worth it. People told me it would be worth it. It's not worth it. You, 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 you trust God. You, you obey Him in faith. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The word here for opportunity is the Greek word kairos, okay? And there's two Greek words that, that it, it means this, a season of opportunity, a set of circumstances where you can accomplish something. There's two ways that you can uh, describe time. In, in Greek, kairos and chronos. And chronos is more of the, you hear chronological. Chronos is, is how we describe linear time, time marching forward. It's, it's day after day, it's week after week, it's month after month, it's calendar time, chronos. It's time marching forward, but that's not the only way that we can tell time. We can actually tell time through opportunities. Kairos describes a moment or an opportunity, it, it translates, or it, it, it really describes these circumstances that are coming at us that once they pass us, we miss them. There's opportunities for you and I to do good each and every day like this. If you back up, I want to look at the verse, see this in context. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. You have these opportunities. Sometimes in life you get worn down. But if you miss the opportunities and you put your own interests ahead, you miss these. And your life gets defined by the way you make choices. You will reap what you sow. And it's at these points where we're wrestling, where we're most tempted to go after, when we're discouraged and we think we're just not going to be able to get what we want in life, it's it's at those points when we're tempted to just go after what we really want for ourselves and we don't wait for the harvest because we want it now. And George Bailey, he wanted so desperately to travel and to see the world and we have some things we really want desperately to experience. George actually keeps these brochures in his coat pocket. The brochures that he, you know, reminds himself of what's out in the world so he can see what he's what he'll eventually hopefully do. But but watch this scene as George is wrestling. Look at what he does. You'll see him look at the brochures and wrestle even.
Yeah, Merry Christmas. Glad you come. How about all that good spaghetti? We got everything. right in those moments of, of testing and wrestling where we've got to turn to God and ask God for help. If you ask God for help, he responds. He provides the help. He helps us to see the next opportunity that he's laying out for us. And oftentimes it's, it's, it's to the benefit of someone else. He just keeps laying out those opportunities. And you have choice after choice. You have to be intentional. But what are those key opportunities in your life right now? I mean, in a room this size, there's all sorts of, we live in different lives, but, you know, there's some, some common things around the room. If you're, a, if you're a parent, which I know many of you are parents, what you're doing through parenting is you're planting seeds every single day. You're planting seeds of kindness. You're sacrificing, and it's a long time, parents, before you get to see what will come up, what will harvest, and what will, what will be reaped from those acts of kindness. It's a long time. Don't give up. Don't grow weary of investing in your children. This is one of the most important long-term investments that your life will ever have made. I mean, you're somewhere in the middle, and that's the challenge. You're somewhere in the middle. Some of you are just starting out, and you're like, how am I ever going to get through this? Some of you are nearing the end, and you're struggling with where things are turning out, and, and you're somewhere in the middle. Don't give up. Some of you, your, your children are long gone, but you're, you're still praying for your, your adult children. And you're watching, the, you're watching and, and you're still wrestling through that, but don't give up encouraging. Don't give up praying. Don't give up investing and sowing into those that God has entrusted to you. If you're, if you're married, for your spouse, opportunities in your marriage, they present themselves every single day. Every day you have opportunities to be loving and patient. And sometimes we, we try to be loving and patient, and they're not responsive. And we think, see, I tried. Forget it. And just just decide. I'm not going to push ahead with my agenda. I'm not going to live for myself. Jesus has called me to deny myself, to take up my cross each day, and to follow his example of sacrifice. So keep stepping forward to sacrifice. Trust God to meet your needs. At work, I think one of the most practical ways we can show seeds of kindness is there's people struggling around us at work every day. Coworkers, take the time to actually listen, to ask questions. This is honestly one of the most common ways to show kindness is to is just to ask questions and listen. Real two-way conversations are, are lacking in our day and age, in our culture, especially because of, of this. Because of our phones, because of media, because of how much is coming at us, we get so, so captured where we don't know how to have a conversation 
and intelligently respond back and forth and get curious with people. Curiosity is a huge uh, character quality that you can introduce to your relationships, and it just brings blessing to the people around you. Get curious about the people God's put in your life. But dying to ourselves in that environment at work is just listening, asking questions, not making it about ourselves. There's all sorts of ways we can apply you know, this passage of Scripture from Galatians and what Jesus said in Matthew 16. But we only get glimpses of the fruit at times in our life. We only get glimpses of the difference that our lives are making. If we even get glimpses, sometimes they're really rare. I mean, angels don't show up and roll the tapes for us like we saw in It's a Wonderful Life to where we can, we can know, wow, I should keep going because this is going to happen. But what we do is we choose to live by faith. We choose to move forward day after day, trusting God as we seek to live out his ways in this, in this world. It makes a huge difference. So here's some uh, practical next steps to take. One is take the opportunity to just for you to wrestle through what would this look like to uh, respond to this passage of Scripture in your own life. Second, ask God for strength to battle the discouragement. And then third, invite so-and-so to next week's family Christmas service. Uh, this is a great way to show kindness in our day and age is to invite people. Just to extend us a warm invitation uh, to someone to join you next week for service. We have two services only next week. Um, but some stats say that one in three will accept a personal invitation. So that's, that's pretty good, one in three. So ask three people. and uh, Personally, ask, ask some folks, invite some folks. We've got plenty of, of invitation cards floating around. Uh, remember, someone invited you to church at some point, or someone remi- invited you to cross a line from, I'm wrestling, I'm sorting, I'm not sure if I believe in Christ. Someone took the time to, to clarify what that really means. And now, if you're experiencing life in Christ, uh, someone took the time for you. And so take the time this Christmas to offer that invitation, which can open up a real gift uh, of eternal life. For, for, for folks. And so let, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. And uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, the reminders this morning of the way life works, Lord, that we, uh, we reap and we sow. We, we're planting seeds that will sprout up, Lord. The choices we're making, Lord, they're leading our lives somewhere. We can't, at the end of our lives, uh, get there and say, you know, uh, how did I arrive here? Lord, we're making choices. We're making choices. God, we can't... Uh, there's there's certainly an aspect here of, of you determine our steps. And, and uh, Father, this planting seeds of kindness doesn't mean that we don't experience difficulty and trouble and trial and hurt. Uh, but God, you are good. You are faithful. You will keep your word and your promises. And so we rely on you, Lord. Help us to trust you, God, in the midst of our wrestling Help us to not give up and grow weary, Lord. Help us to seek, uh, to say yes to you, Father, when you bring opportunities our way, even this week, Lord. Help us, especially this season, to be mindful of the many people that are uh, in need on a variety of levels, Lord, spiritually, emotionally, financially. Father, we just, we, I pray that you give us a glimpse, Lord, of, of, of even some of the of the, of the fruit, Lord, uh, by way of encouragement, Lord, for the parents that are here, just for folks that are wrestling through different challenging seasons, Lord, uh, just 
Even through the scripture, Lord, that's one way you give us a glimpse of the fruit is we can look at how you have been faithful in the lives of your people in the scripture. And so, God, help us to rely on you and trust in you. Continue to keep our trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.